Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hi there and welcome to everybody watching and listening in live to the Wednesday warm-up on the This Is Ibrooks Network. Today I'm joined by two excellent guests as always. Firstly, it's the World Ranger himself. How are you doing today, JB? Yeah, very well. Uh, looking forward to talking about Rangers and uh, still not sure if I've, um, if, I've missed, if I've enjoyed the international break or I'm looking forward to the football. Still a bit 50-50, but uh, yeah, looking forward to getting back into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure come Saturday, 3pm, you'll be absolutely buzzing to be back in your seat again. And uh, Reese, we were promised a Belgian accent tonight. Are we going to get one? How are you? Oh, mate, the guy's six foot three and baldy. I'm not imitating his accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, aye, all good, mate. All good. How's yourself? Yeah, not bad. It's uh, The last couple of weeks I've been on the Wednesday podcast, I had no idea what's going on. And the fact that we're here now talking about a manager in place, um, some ideas, possibly uh, an identity uh, for our football team on the horizon. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, look, as always, plenty to talk about. Um, we have got, since Sunday, you know, there's lots changed. We've had the, the unveiling, official unveiling, I should say, uh, of Philippe Clement in the, the Blue Room. We'll get the guy's thoughts and what he thought about him and and. and what he impressed upon them. Uh, we'll get the guy's thoughts on James Bisgrove as well, a guy who thought spoke really well. I know there's a bit of corporate speaking there from him, but I, I, I think he comes across really well. Uh, he mentioned, Philippe Comont mentioned some white page players, which I suppose is a, 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 a not a mistranslation, but an interesting way of saying the, a blank sheet. Uh, we'll get the guy's thoughts on who those players are, what, what they think about that. There's also lots of chat about a director of football, sporting director. James Bisgrove said that is live at the moment. We got it could be next week, could be in a couple of months. That's really fascinating conversation. Maybe if there's time, we'll talk about that Todd Cantwell interview that he did in the middle of the week as well. And obviously, we will look ahead to the Hibs game at the weekend too. Listen, we'll get straight into it. it quarter to three yesterday, new manager Philippe Comont was presented officially to the media and the fan media alike in the Blue Room at Ibrooks. The manager was asked a number of questions, but before we get into that, firstly, JB, how relieved are you that it's not Frank Lampard? And what what did you make of uh, Philippe Clement overall in that in that interview? Yeah, yeah, we'll park the Lampard. But I was uh, I was quite keen. Uh, little brother, he's at home and he's at home and away with Evan, and um, yeah, and I so obviously keep an eye on their scores and watch the odd game and stuff and. Yeah, that would have been an absolute disaster. So I, I genuinely believe the board kind of put that out there to anybody else that we appointed was seen as a good news story. Because uh, if that was the case, then then fair play to them. But yeah, no, um, I think it's, I think I was on the pod. Uh, when was that last on the pod? I think it was when we were talking about the next potential managers and it was getting clear at that point that it was going to be a shootout between Muscat and Clement. And, I kind of went all in on Clement. I think I had a bit of a knee wobble at the last minute. Uh, I thought, right, you know, Muscat's the man-like. But, um, no, really pleased with the appointment. I think 
he's come in and then you, the more you start to dig dig into him, the more you kind of can't but help but like him. Um, he's, he's certainly saying all the right things. Now, I'm not going to hold hang on every word because we've kind of been that, that been down that road certainly with the last manager and obviously false promises and we were handbrake off and all that nonsense. So, um, very much looking forward to. I think everybody's in the same boat in terms of very much going to judge him on his on what he does on the pitch. Um, not necessarily what he's going to say, but what, certainly what he does. Uh, really liked his uh, his presence. Uh, one of the things that when we were spoke about it last week on the pod, it was almost what do you want from a Rangers manager, and he ticks a lot of the boxes in terms of that that presence. I know we had a couple of guys in the in the blue room when he was. Um, when he was put out in front of the press yesterday, and he said he has got that aura about him, uh, that when he walked into the room and when he started speaking, people were listening. Um, and I love the way somebody cut across him when he was answering a question, I don't know if everyone noticed this, and he just gave them an absolute death stare. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm into a bit of that. Um, if you think about the recent managers who've been relatively unsuccessful, well, Beal, Van Bronck, Warburton, uh, one class Pedro because he was just an absolute loon tune. Um, but they all seem like really nice guys. But in terms of actually, you're gonna be you're gonna be intimidated if they were to have a go at you. I think you would under Gerard. I think that was yeah. the one thing he definitely brought was he, he had that look and that stare. Um, so again, yeah, a bit of presence about him, and I just thought he articulated himself really well. Some of his sound bites were really good, as you say, a wee bit different to what we're used to in the UK. Uh, I like this marathon one. Uh, it's not a marathon. Yeah. Not, normally, we hear it's a marathon, not a sprint. But um, obviously, he broke that down. There's thinking behind that. And I thought he, was, he addressed some things that everybody's been talking about offline. So the way he spoke about Davis and the way he spoke about Thomas Boothell and the words that he had to say. So yeah, um, obviously only a couple of days in, but pleased and uh, nervously excited to see what he can do. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you're touching a couple of things there. Firstly, I, I wonder if he did unintentionally announce Stephen Davis's retirement from football yesterday because he did say that that Davis is moving from a from a player to a coach. But we'll we'll probably get more than that later on. But you're right. That was one of the things that that came across from that. I mean, even watching that on my phone, um, that that stare. I mean. I can only imagine how that's going to come across in the dressing room, and, and as you said, he did say some some really really interesting things. Reese, what what was your thoughts uh, or initial reaction to to Philippe Clement and, and James Bisgrove yesterday? Well, more uh, Philippe Clement, you know, spoke really well, talked about these these four pillars, um, which I'm sure he, he used in, a, in his interview and must have had the the board and and, and Graham Sunes nod, nodding their heads at that one. Um, but what what did you think of them overall? So. I really like the appointment um, based on who was out there and I think he probably was the best candidate. I think looking at Muscat, do, do you remember in the way that we took Beal for QPR right at the point where he was winning every game and QPR fell off a cliff? I reckon if he had been there and he gets to January, there's absolutely no way that we take Michael Beal. Because they've been absolutely trounced for months. And I think the same is possibly happening with Muscat now. He lost the League Cup uh, semi-final, I think, the day that we appointed Clement. So it wasn't a good day for him. But um, I like Clement. He had a bit in the presser that I spoke to Scott about earlier on where the reporter asked him specifically what day he win. And he just cut him dry and was like, I've already told you I want I want to win every game. Yeah. And there was a bit of me that went, oh, right, okay, see how it is. And like JB said, that authority, that presence, I think he's got it. So only time will tell whether or not he's got the tools to implement it and how long he gets with the judgment factor. Yeah, that's it. I think Paul McGarrigle's comment here sums up really nicely. He says, I think Clem, if that's what we're already calling him, um, won't take any shit from the players. If they don't give 100% on, off the pitch, they will be dropped. And I, and I totally agree. I very much think that that is the impression that, that came across yesterday. Uh, I think the, it, it was refreshing... <sighs> Not to see, I know we went from Gio, who hardly said anything to the press, and then we went to McBeal, who seemed to say far too much to the press. I thought he got that balance 
quite right. There was one question that he replied to where he said, "Look, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the answers to everything. I'm going to change. We all, we're not, we're not stupid. We know this change is needed. I just, it, it was really, really refreshing to to hear that and to hear a, a manager um, actually acknowledging that." JB, I'll come to you on on the on the next thing here. He did say several times, and I loved this phrase. He said that he wanted dominant football in there. Uh, another thing was was interchanging positions. How is that going to look up until January? Presumably, because there was a wee bit of discussion around that in the press yesterday as well. That you know, he'll look, he'll have discussions with the board. James Bisgrove kept saying, "I'm sure the the board and investors will be receptive <laughs> to to Philippe's um, input." But how are you expecting us to play in that? Like, what do you see dominant football as for Rangers? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you touched on it earlier when you spoke around the um, the, was it the white paid players. Um, so obviously, everything's everyone's going to be off on a clean slate. It's probably more saying that we'd use, but I think we've got good players, right? Let's have it right now. Whether we've got players that we see are good enough for long term, um, whether we see players that are uh, good enough to play for Rangers even in, in the short term, the there's a lot of these players that have been around the block. I mean, I was kind of thinking of, thinking about this earlier today in terms of our squad and the makeup of it at the moment. We've kind of got every player falls into one or three categories that are either finished in the fans' eyes. We're going to give them a chance or the no returners. There's kind of there's kind of no in-between. You are all one of them and the fans all seem relatively consistent. Now, with the new manager coming in, what you've just got to hope is that he's going to really look to see how he can get the most out of what he's got. Do you know what I mean? And are we going to see players, are we going to ask players to do things that they aren't very good at and haven't been able to do? So like Sam Lammers, for example, anything I've seen of Sam Lammers in any of the clips that we've seen, and you shouldn't judge a player on YouTube, but everything he seems to do seems to be really high up the pitch. It doesn't tend to be on the halfway line. Whereas where where we've got the big fat we've got a guy who's six foot three six foot four whatever he is dropping into the number six position and trying to start play and he's in and around in and around between the edge of the box and the halfway line. I want to see him at the highest man. Do you know what I mean? I want to see him if he's going to be on the wing. I want to see him hitting the byline and cutting in as opposed to trying to play nice passes on the edge of the box. So. That's just how he comes in and just speeds things up for us. I think that's one of the things we've been really frustrated about. I know that John Lundstrom gets probably gets the most grief for it for not moving the ball quickly. I can only assume now that we've gone through a couple of managers that the team are being instructed to keep the ball, be patient, and see and see what happens because we can't. We just can't continue with that style of play. It's 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 never been successful in Scotland, and it, it never will. Um, when you give average players, which no disrespect to the opposition clubs, there's a lot of average players out there. If you give them time and space on the ball, they'll probably do okay. Do you know what I mean? They'll probably get up the pitch. They'll probably put pressure on teams. But if you suffocate teams and don't give them a chance to settle, and when you have got the ball, you do you're doing things quickly, then you're going to be successful. Um, I mean, without talking too much about them across the road, the amount of scrolls that they score, and even Liverpool and Man City to an, to, to, to an extent, is the the amount of mistakes that they force out of players is un, uncanny. The amount of defensive errors you see, the amount of hold of defensive midfielders getting caught in possession, then getting punished. We don't do that because our back four sitting on the edge of the box. So... Everything I've read about him in terms of his principles and his style of play, being um, he likes his full-backs to get forward, which is probably another conversation. He likes to be versatile, <laughs> uh, quick attacking transitions. Um, yeah, again, he's saying all the right things. However, uh, I'm not getting too excited just yet because um, the old handbrake comments, I think, is, uh, will scar us for a wee while until we, until we start to see the proof in the pudding. Yeah, 100%. It's it's such a shame because he's a really nice guy, Michael Beale, but that seems to be what his legacy will be at Rangers is that handbreak-off comment. Um, but yeah, look, um, there's a couple of... There was a wee comment here, Reese. Uh, oh, where's it gone now? There's so many comments coming in. Hugo Bear here says, dominance means lots of goals scored and none conceded. I'm just going to ask you, sort of compared to Muscat style, which was, you know, seemed to be all-out attack, he, he had players that fit a system. Clement has said that his preference is to have, you know, play players in their natural positions, not not shoehorning guys into areas where they're, where they're not suited. Do you think that this is going to 
um, you know, help? Do you think the team's going to adapt well to this state, uh, style of play? And do you think that this will ultimately lead to, to dominant football? See, I think, personally, I think we've got the personnel to implement a dominant style. Whether or not it can be done as quickly as we'd like is probably my biggest concern. Because I think there's a like JB said, I, I am one of those fans who has a lot of this squad and finished, no use, get them out, sort of category at the minute. But his ideas are right. I don't like labelling players as positions. And it was something Harry Brooks said in a podcast that like somebody's not a winger, they're an effective attacking player who's good at carrying the ball and beating a man one-on-one. So where can I use him effectively? So if you look at the likes of Tavernier, Tavernier's an effective attacking player who can cross a ball for deep rather than he's a right-back. He's not a great defender. I would go three at the back, whereas... But I think the dominant football is quite vague because to me, dominant football is just simply having more of the ball than the other team. Could be... Total Pep Guardiola like football, but to me it's just having more of the ball. Whereas Muscat seemed to be more high intensity, pressing full throttle. But I don't know, won't I wait and see how it goes? I, in the same breath, I don't like managers having this like one style of play that can be got at. Every style's got limitations. So if you've got one style, like it appears Muscat maybe had then as soon as that's found out the whole thing's away whereas Clement not coming out and going yep I want a 4-3-3 total football we're all passing the ball round the back and through the middle and we're going to invert the wingers and blah blah he's kind of leaving it open to interpretation and going do you know what maybe I'll and especially at the time where he's figuring out what he's got and where they're useful, he's making other teams work harder than simply coming out and telling them, this is what I want to do. Yeah, so are you saying there inadvertently that from that press conference, it was it was nice to see a manager keeping his cards close to his chest than basically saying <laughs> what team's going to be playing and how they're going to be playing at the weekend? Aye, I remember. It was Kishinya that done that in a press conference, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Named the full 11, I remember that. Um, Bill was probably more towards Kishinya on that spectrum than Gio, who didn't tell you anything, but yeah. I, I, I quite like it. I don't know how useful it is, but as I say, dominant football is only good if you've got players who can play dominant football. Yeah, that's it. Look, Reese, I'll stick with you in the next wee talking point here. Seeing as James Bisgrove was the other guy in that presser yesterday, I know he splits opinion and uh, among some of the support. He's he's backed by some, not backed by others, but I always think he, he, he comes across as an impressive figure. He speaks very well and he represents the, the club very well. I think he explained that, that process uh, of, of selecting the manager yesterday, but just a, a, a wee quick thought on, on what you made of, of James Bisgrove yesterday as well, Reese, please. I, I like Bisgrove. I'm not um, overly pro or anti what he's done at the club. Um, in terms of revenue and commercials and his previous role, he was excellent. He, I think he quoted a figure as either trebling or quadrupling the club's revenue in a few years which obviously comes with on-field success, but the two of them go hand in hand. I mean, there's a reason Manchester United were dominant and still continue to generate more revenue than MDLs. They were winning, so they attracted fans, blah, blah, blah. So he's right that what I liked about him pointing out yesterday was the footballing performance is crucial to the rest of the club's short, medium and long-term aims. Because it's all well and good... Bisgrove's bringing in a new commercial guy to replace him and what he used to do. Mm-hmm. A, a commercial manager can come in and go, we'll sell a lot of DVDs of whatever. <laughs> but if nobody wants to watch it because the team's rotten, then they're not going to sell that. So say like a season review of last year. Does anybody want to watch it? I don't, <laughs> personally. 
So it's all well and good having these ideas, but the team's performance will be fundamental. And I thought it was quite good that he pointed that out yesterday. And listen, generally the most shocking thing in that whole answer that you said there was, I think, is the youngest contributor on the podcast that you've just said season DVDs. <laughs> I can't hear like that. It was. It was the. Trivia we got this morning. It reminded me of old DVDs watching the Rangers. Yeah, that that's that's very true. Um, look, JB, I, I said I've left this point for you um, specifically because I, I just want to get your thoughts on. Uh, I heard there was sort of rumours of it, but the fact that uh, Graham Sunes was involved in the the uh, process, I found that really refreshing. Um, do you think that that was just because if it was Bennett and Bisgrove doing interviews, they kind of needed a, a football man in there? Or do you think it was because, uh, well, how do you put this in a, in a way? I think it was pretty evident that, that, that Sunes wasn't impressed the last time that he talked to these guys. Um, and maybe they held their hands up and said, yeah, you're a guy that we should be leaning on. What, what was your thoughts on, on Bisgrove and the fact that Sunes was involved in the, the interview process? Yeah, I think um, basically, first of all, probably similar to Reese, I'm neither in and in or out. Um, there's a number of things that he's done that has frustrated the hell out of me, uh, even my years process and other bits and bobs. But in terms of the, the facts speak for themselves, in terms of bringing the money in, I think people like Bisgrove and a director of football that we're going to get to in a second, we wouldn't be talking about them if we were collecting trophies. They'd be nobody. They'd just be people who, who, who you see once a year at the AGM. But given the position that we're in and the hunger for success and to get back to winning ways, everyone's up for scrutiny. Every word that they say, everything that they tweet, any match day programme comments, everything's under scrutiny at the moment. So, to, yeah, to your point, I think he speaks really well. I think he... Um, it's obviously been an in-depth exercise that they've done. I think they probably uh, fingers burnt over the last two appointments. Now, don't get me wrong, you could see the you could see the pluses when we appointed both. Um, slightly worryingly, I was pleased with both at the time, um, and I'm quite <laughs> pleased with Clement. Hence the reason why I had a last-minute wobble to Muscat because I'm thinking if I wanted Muscat, then Clement will do really well. Um, but no, as I said earlier, he, spoke, he speaks really well. Uh, we spoke about the revenue earlier. I think he, you can see that he seems a lot more um, as if he's stepping back a little bit from and what I mean by that. Everything was all, I felt when he first came in, was all about me. I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other. Whereas I felt as if he was trying to show that, right? This, I don't think he was trying to swear responsibility, but I think it was almost a case of, right, we've taken a breath. We've had lots of conversations. The board's been engaged. We've then brought in Graham Sooner, so you, you're right. Had them conversations on um, Talksport where he was almost like, I'm not sure if it was Graham Sooner said it himself or whether it was Simon Jordan talking, talking on his behalf. But it was almost a case of Sooner has gone up there, the bad conversation. He's probably been asked to go up there and do some form of ambassador role. Ambassador role and Sooner has maybe wanting to get more back into the football side of it. Um, and so for him to have that conversation, two things. One, for the club to be big enough to, to do that because it could have been quite easily to go to your point of just gone, right, uh, we won't ask Graham because let's be honest, they could have asked Richard Goff, they could have asked countless amounts of ex-Rangers players. Um, they said they could have asked like people who are lo- local people now. So you're like, obviously you're, you're Ali McCoy to this world who's obviously a character who, wouldn't, don't get me wrong, wouldn't be asking him to choose our next manager. But um it just felt right. If, um, I know there's a lot of people that have been vying for Sunes to have some sort of role in the club, but then there's also the other the other side of things where people are going, no, he's been out the game far too long. I think in terms of what we all wanted from a Rangers manager, Sunes ticked the hell a lot of them boxes, so therefore a little bit of that won't do any harm. Um, I think if we'd have had a laptop manager in front of Sunes, I think Sunes probably would have seen right through that exercise, seen right through that type of person. Um, so the fact that he's came with, I'm not saying he's come with a recommendation, but the fact he was involved in the process, it will be interesting to see if we if we hear from Sunes about how involved he was and how engaged he was, whether that would kept be kept behind closed doors. I don't know, but no, all round, I think it's um, it's been it feels I feel comfortable with the decision. Uh, it doesn't feel like a punt, which is uh, which is never a bad thing. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply yeah, I, again, hard to disagree with anything you've said there. I'm glad that they did get somebody football-minded and, and if somebody Rangers-minded as well, I, I don't think you can get more Rangers-minded than, than Graeme Souness, to be, to be honest with you. So I, I'm glad they did get him involved. Um, there's a comment here from Alex Winter. You'll love this one, Reese, because I've seen your reply to it in the comments already. Um, he said, Souness simply has to be director of football and... Sharpie staunch agrees with me. Said Alex Winter, my thoughts exactly. Reese, I, I, I know it caused a lot of uh, debate in the This Is Ibrooks WhatsApp chat for <laughs> for a good couple of days, and it rears its head every every now and again. But but this role of director of football, technical director, sporting director, whatever the hell you want to call it, I I, I can't see the difference between the three of them uh, or the three roles. To be honest with you, that much, but um. Clement did say that they have to have the same philosophy. Uh, he said you have to have someone who has the same ideas uh, as the manager or it doesn't work. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. It's very ambitious, but a guy that has the same ideas has worked with Clement in the past as Paul Mitchell. I know he's been linked with with Man United. I can see your face already here, but I'm just going along with it, all right? Because that's what was on the Twitter. That's what's on Twitter. What's been on social media? Uh, a wee bit of his background. He's worked for MK Don, Southampton, Tottenham Hotspur, RB Leipzig, and Monaco, which is. You know, even looking at that, I'd, I, he does seem a wee bit above um, the the caliber that we were probably going for. He's brought players like Manny Tadic, Stephen Davis. I'm going to chuck that one in there uh, to Southampton. So for me, he's brought arguably the best British player in in the last uh, few years. Toby Alderweireld, Deli Ali, uh, Son at Tottenham, Trippier, and and of course in Cuckoo, who we know know very well from from playing against us in the in the Europa League. But um, I have said it's unrealistic. But what's your thoughts on Paul Mitchell and just a director of football in general. Rangers approaching Paul Mitchell is probably equivalent to me DMing Riaura. Is <laughs> the way I would look at that one. I think to address the soonest comments to begin with, uh, Simon Jordan, as JB was saying, and Jim White effectively said in talk sport that soonest wanted Lampard. Yeah. And I reckon if if we had hired Lampard, I was finding a new sport. Never mind a new team. But honestly, like I, I don't. I think that almost made me more confident in Bisgrove and Bennett and the fact that they never appointed them as a director of football or anything similar. But they they still valued his opinion enough to go back to him and go. Do you know what? Actually, come in and help us with this. But Paul Mitchell, I don't think is realistic whatsoever. There's been Conflicting reports on Sam Jewell and sporting director, t- technical director, director of football, whatever. As I understand it, um, Ian Holloway described it earlier on as it used to be that you would go for a manager to a chairman for money. Then it became manager to director of football, director of football to a chairman. He went, you, you, if you knew your chairman, you didn't have a director of football. That's probably where I would imagine it to be. It's somebody to link between the manager and Bisgrove, which would fit in with when Ross Wilson left. Michael Beale said, oh, I lost an ally in a football sense or something. Maybe that he was the link man, almost. Yeah, I think so. So that's the way I imagine it to be. Technical director kind of oversees more everybody in their roles and make sure you're the right person to do that job and lines it all up, make sure it's all operating all right. 
and then feeds it back to the chairman rather than just to the manager. I, again, could be miles off it. I don't know that any is no or will know in future, but yeah, Paul Mitchell, I think, punchy, conflicting reports on Sam Jewell. You don't know who to believe at the minute. Yeah, that's it. Look, I, I, I'm putting my cards on the table. I, I think Paul Mitchell is a, an entirely unrealistic target. I mean, Man United are seriously in the hunt for him, and I, and I think that's probably where he will end up. But it's a guy that's, you know, been been linked with us. So it, it, we talk about stuff like that in the podcast. Um, JB, I'll come to you in the next few points here. Uh, Paul McGarrigo again says, see, we offered the job to the Brighton guy. The Blue Bells are blue, said Fabrizio Romano posted earlier that we formally approached uh, approached. Joe, I keep wanting to say um, Paul Joe as well, but Sam Joe as technical director earlier, Rangers review and the club denied this. Fabi is rarely wrong. Again, what Reese said, there is conflicting reports on it. Sam Joe, I mean, it goes without saying, his record at Brighton has been outstanding in the last few years, worked alongside a, a, a Rangers man in, in air quotes and, and Davy Weir, um, obviously captain of the club, been assistant manager at the club as well. So I'm sure he's had a few good things to say at us. Uh, I think there was a wee bit at the end of that tweet which concerned me a bit and said, Jules is considering the proposal but still not convinced about leaving a Brighton project at the highest point of club history after an excellent job. Um, firstly, what do you make of the links to, to a guy like Sam Jules? Like, I'm delighted that we are being linked with people of this calibre, but is it a realistic target? And are you on board with with uh, Bizgrove and and Clement in terms of we need uh, to see a director of football type uh, role within the club? Yeah, I mean it does again jump back to my point earlier around the if we were winning we wouldn't be needing one. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't think they've got one across the park. Do you know what I mean? In terms of and you could almost argue their transfer strategy and everything and doesn't seem to be doing too bad. However, if we if that's the route that we're going to go down and Clement's identified that that's what we want. It's a real interesting one because it's not a mar- it's not a field or a market that I don't know if anybody knows particularly well. Um, do you know what I mean? It's, it's not something I'm familiar with. Any of the names you get mentioned, um, like Mitchell, for example, I've never heard of him until I've done a wee bit of digging into him, and all of a sudden he's the messiah of football. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Ra- Ralph Ranyak, by all accounts, he's seen as what the greatest director of football ever. But again. Didn't know nothing about him until he was then linked with the Man United job, and you do a wee bit of digging, and he eventually got that, and he fell on his arse, didn't he? But it's a, it's, it's going to be a real tricky one. That I get the impression the person who gets this role has to be super switched on, um, a real intelligent guy, like you know what I mean, in terms of being able to juggle lots of plates. Can't necessarily be an ex-player who was a really good player. Probably needs to have a bit of business acumen about them as well. Um, when I was looking around in terms of ex-players who've gone in to be directors of footballs, you've got the likes of Overmars, um, Edu, who's at, not not Mo Edu, um, Edu at Arsenal, uh, Van der Sar, Bocanegra, a former name that was linked. Now, he was linked with us as a director of football, I think it was before Ross Wilson, or it might have been immediately after, and then people started to dig into him, and he basically taken Atlanta from here to down to here. Uh, yeah. That was an interesting link, but again, ex-player. Les Ferdinand's doing it at QPR, as we know. Um, he was obviously quite vocal when um, we were in and around Beale. And obviously, Davey Way, our own Davey Way, has been doing a fantastic job at Brighton, by all accounts. I just I just don't know what I want from a director of football. Do you know what I mean? What what will a, what does success look, look like for him? Um, they'll probably get the blame for any any bad transfers that we make, but probably won't get the credit for the good ones. Um because trying to find a player who's good enough to play for one, good enough to play for Rangers, but two, have the mentality to play for Rangers is extremely difficult. I keep going on about one of my criticisms of this current Rangers team is you go through them and you ask them all to all put their medals on the table, and they've won nothing, absolutely nothing between them all. Take out that fifty-five season, and you 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 start to go into Petrofac cups and. Do you know what I mean? Even even the other players around the squad who we brought up from England, maybe Czechs Championship players and different bits and bobs, we haven't got proven winners out there. So to try and find these type of players is difficult. Um, what I thought of just a little bit outside the box. And um, what about like a Mark Warburton type? Now, <laughs> controversial, I know. Um, there's a story there, but I find it interesting. People are happy to uh, welcome Davy Weir back with open arms without any concerns and, and yes. within the same conversations or discussions. I don't think we'll ever know. 
Obviously, it's a different board now. Um, is it going? I'm not saying Warburton, by the way, but is it going to be somebody like that who's maybe been an ex-manager, so knows how the football side of things work? Um, as I've experience of dealing with agents, I'm not saying a Harry Redknapp, but you know, you know, almost like a an ex an ex guy who knows his way around football, good connections. Yes. Uh, but obviously, it's also responsible for all the youth level. Uh, we would probably have a responsibility to look after the women's side of things as well. Um, so it's not just a case of getting a guy in who's going to sign players. Um, but again, I, I openly admit it's not a it's not an industry I know particularly well. You're just basically looking to try and be a bit of a football manager and um, on the computer game and just trying to go, yeah, this is what a football this is what a, a director of football does. The fact that there's four different names for the same role kind of gives the clue away that nobody really knows what they're, what they're, what they're going to be doing. Uh, but let's hope that Clabon can tell us what a good director of football looks like. Uh, the fact he's worked with Mitchell. Um, I know the manager shouldn't be picking their director of football, but certainly in terms of what makes a good director of football, uh, we've got a guy in there that's worked through that model. So, yeah, let's see how it goes. Yeah, that's like, I mean, it, it would be foolish of the club not to, you know, to take heed of what Clement says, given that he has worked with a very excellent director of football, as we've just lined out before, and he's worked with him at, at, at one of the top five leagues in, in Europe. So it's absolutely nothing to be sniffed at. A few of the comments here says, uh, the blue bells are blue, says, to be fair, the last director of football didn't exactly prove uh, a, a DOF is always effective. Um, CMG55 said, a DOF is essential. If we had in the summer, Bill possibly wouldn't have fecked himself. That's a well done for, for um, would, saying would, that. Yeah. Would, he, would he though? Do you know, like, I don't think there was a Rangers fan that wasn't too displeased with every player that we signed. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just don't think he's got the most out of the players that he's got. I think that's the criticism. The style yeah. of play that he's had with the players hasn't been good enough, I think. So I'm not too... About, about the point about blaming Beal for all the summer signings, I think I think it's an easy out, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I just don't think... Some of them are in the wrong movie, but um, a director of football might have looked at Serial Dessels and gone, right, there's a guy who scored a lot of goals in a lot of di- in different countries. He's shown he can do it. He was the top goal scorer in the... Um, Conference League with Feyenoord. He was in a, a pretty awful team. I think a team that only had 18 shots or something last season. He scored six goals. Do you know what I mean? So you look at him and go, and all the clips I've seen of him, I thought he looks he looks quite handy. Uh, mm. But now, now we're seeing we're seeing him in the flesh. But a director of football potentially would have gone, yeah, I can see why you'd want him to replace Morellas. He ticks a lot of your boxes. However... Um, it doesn't seem to be reality at the moment, but it'll be an, it'll be interesting to see um, what the what the what he's responsible for. If you know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. It would be nice to see like a, a job description of a of a DOF <laughs> at, at some point because, like you recruiting players I, I don't really know what that role entails but may, maybe it's different for different clubs depending on, on what's going on but listen Reese, I'll come to you in terms of the next part of the conversation this evening um Philippe Clement mentioned these uh white page players which as I said is obviously like not a bit of a mistranslation from from Belgian uh or, or Flemish or whatever it is he speaks um to to uh to English in terms of you know looking at a blank slate um but but who do you think are the players in that squad that will be the most relieved uh, to hear this uh, are you looking at your guys like um well, in particular, I'll single out Dessers because he was directly asked a question about him. He didn't give the stock answer of, you know, we'll come in, we'll assess him, we'll see how he does. He, he was very forthright about it and said, look, I, I know Cyril, he's a Belgian guy. Um, just because he, he's a Belgian guy doesn't mean he's automatically going to get in the team. He is not playing as well at Rangers as he played in, for, for Genk in, in Belgium and for, for Feyenoord in, in Holland. What, what's your thoughts on on these the white page players? See, I was listening to the Dessel's comment and I thought he almost put it in a way that suggested he's only been good at Feyenoord. So maybe... like. This is what I mean about interpretation. I think we've interpreted that to a totally different ways, which with translating for a different language and secondary languages, it's never going to be ideal until we see how he uses them and when he uses them. But for me, the likes of maybe Scott Wright, who was out the door in the summer, 
could be big for him. Sifuent, <laughs> I'm glad he's got white pages because mine have barely got any space in them, by the way, with half of these players. <laughs> um, honestly, like, but I think it'll just be refreshing for everybody who perhaps has maybe been on the way out or not as involved as they would like. Like, Sifuentes we've used in a few examples as he's not been used in the right places. To me, right, I, personally, I don't see a footballer in there, right? But that's a different matter altogether. If he's been played as a 10 at LA, and why are we playing him on the right-hand side of a diamond in midfield that's barely shifting into the final third? Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how he uses them. I think that might be how the players will interpret that white page slate. Because they might have felt shoehorned into a style that fundamentally they've went, how do you think this is going to work? But I had to go along with it anyway. And therefore they've been written off and there could be, for all we know, there could be guys in the squad going, I'm playing out of position and I'm getting dogs abuse for the stand. It might be a clean slate for the players in that sense that listen, we're going to use you in the right way rather than shoehorning you into this system that isn't actually working and making you look worse than you are. But just on JB's point as well, what see when you think about Brighton, right? Which there's been links with Wheel, there's been links with Jewel. When you think of Brighton, who's the other club you automatically hear them almost paired with? Belgian teams. Yeah. Uh, or, or Brentford. You no, said, oh, you're, sense of style, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, your Brighton's and Brentford's do it so well. Warburton was uh, Brentford's director of football. Just saying. Well, that that's that exactly. And and JB, I'll ask you a, a very similar question in terms of these these white page players. Like, how relieved? And again, I don't normally like singling out players here, but there's, there's quite a few names on this list. I've got Lundstrom, Barisic, Dessers, Lammers, maybe Suter to an extent, maybe Matondo to an extent. Are these the type of guys that you think? Um, uh, you know, will be relieved that they are getting a fresh start. And and I, honestly, Reese, that was a really fantastic answer in terms of 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 breaking that down in terms of the expectations of the, the sort of restart and and having a, a blank slate. Like I, I like that point that Reese made. Is is that what he means? Is you've been sitting there, or you're not even sitting there, but you've been on this pitch, you've been out of position. I I have been in that you know position as a player, as a manager. I can see your frustrations. Do you think that these guys will will be relieved at this and and will? get a fresh start and a new lease of life, so to speak? Yeah, I think so. I mean, one of my biggest frustrations with this Rangers team is every every player that's in that squad, when we've got when we've signed them, you've done your research to death, do you know what I mean? We've obviously got access to all the tools now, so whether it be through YouTube, whether it's through match highlights, whether it be through iScout, whatever it might be, there's loads of tools there to kind of understand what these players are good at. Now, we've signed players over time and they don't do what they're good at. When they come to us, it's as if they get told, right, you're going to play in a system. And that was one of the things that really attracted me to Clermont. I think I called out last week. A lot of people said, and you should touch said it earlier, he finds a way to get the most out of the players that he's got. And that's how he sets up. So if we look at the likes of Sofuentes, when I was watching him for LA, he was cutting in from the left high. It was almost like it was almost like a Ryan Kent type in terms of starting really high and being really aggressive, driving into the box. And pressing, and when he did play central, um, he was he was he was chasing down the whole of midfielders. He was chasing down centre half, full backs, real back box to box energy type of player. And we've seen yet to Teresa's point, we've shoehorned him into a right a right of a diamond, and almost yeah. playing behind Tavernier. And it was like it just it just didn't look right. He was one um, Raskin. Uh, when Raskin came on for his first game, I can't recall if it was back, it was against, but his socks were down by his ankles and he was pinging passes all over the shop. He was finding full backs, he was looking, doing little round the corners, looking the other way. He was beating men through the mid, running with the ball through midfield. And then whatever happened in pre season, he come back and he's just been play it safe, play it safe, play it safe, play it safe. And then there's been the odd little bit where you, I think the, the I was in Savetta way. And I remember watching him and I was thinking, yeah, that is the that's the Raskin that we kind of seen. But it's almost as if you've just been absolutely overcoached and over 
there's just been a system in place to go, right, we're going to keep things nice and patient. We've got better players than them. And when the time's right, bang, we'll strike. Yeah. Um, and whereas I'd like to say, and Yilmaz is another one. And all the research I did on Yilmaz, he was hitting the byline and he was cutting things back. He was shooting from distance. He was running inside. It was the goal that we seen against in the in the League Cup against was at Livingston at home. Never um, seen all of the, yeah, um, that Kieran Dahl, all right, we haven't seen him well. We thought we got told he was always injured, and that's kind of what we're seeing at the moment. But he was shooting on sight. Uh, I think of that Kilmarnock game, first game of the season, and he had three or four really good chances to get a shot away. And it was the safe ball out wide, and you just kept there going, have a pop. We, we, we know you can do it. We see it's kind of, you've seen it. That's how you've made your career. That's how you've ended up at Rangers. The fact that you're a goal scorer midfielder that can hit a ball. And then the worst one of the lot, Cantwell. Cantwell playing holding midfield against Celtic at Ibrox against the worst ever, ever Celtic defence I've seen at Ibrox. Do you know what I mean? And the book me and my dad were talking about it. We go on it all the time. Um, I remember speaking to me dad before the game and saying, it looks like Cantwell's playing deep here. And then it was like, no, surely not, because all the success that we've had against them, the minimal success we've had over the last couple of years, has been when Campbell's been high and aggressive. Um, and to do that is just absolutely scandalous. I know we might get on to the Campbell interview later on. Um, he speaks really highly of Michael Beale. Um, but that was just one particular example. But I think that's when I checked out on, on Michael Beale was almost the case of to put Campbell into a midfield when he, he's our spark, do you know what I mean? He's our main man. You don't play him right-hand side of midfield in a narrow midfield. It's just... It was it was just suicide, but um, yeah. But back to your point about players getting refreshed and restarted. I think it's I think a few of them just need to start zipping things a little bit quicker. And I think if we can zip things quicker and get get the ball moving, get players carrying the ball quicker, um, carrying the ball at pace. I can't remember the last time we've seen a Rangers player pick the ball up, beat a couple of men in the middle of the park, and the game open up. It, it's it's madness, but um, it's simple if it gets done. John Lundstrom dropped a shoulder against Real Betis just before half-time, and he took out two men, and the whole crowd just went, we've been waiting for a player to do that for the for all season, and yeah. then bang, you, you, you grow off that. Um, so... Yeah, watch this space in terms of the in terms of the players who um over the got but then you've got your players who need to start proving a point again. So you've got your your Goldsons, your Taverniers, your your Barisic. Um none of these are escaping criticism. Um again, we know there's good players in there, but they're not letting it out. It's it almost feels as if we've got a group of players that everyone needs to play well for us to play well. It's never like, oh, we were shite today, but so and so was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It was. It always tends to be everyone has to play well, and we need to we need to get rid of that as quick as we can. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today! At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, 100%. There was um, my. Uh, the next the next point I was actually going to come on to here as uh, as for you, Reese. To be honest with you, you are the sort of this is Ibrooks B team and, and academy guy this year. You've been to loads of games. I asked in the in the comments and on YouTube and Facebook there, um, what sort of first team players or, or sorry B team academy players do, do we think will get promoted into the, the first team? We know that Clement mentioned that at his press conference. He, he said already on Monday in his first day, I think there was about eight nine. 
B-team guys in training with the first team, which I think is the way it should be. I'll just read out some of the, the comments here. Um, CGM55 said, Rice is the only one when everyone is fit who will be anywhere near the first time. His levels are above anything else we've seen. Uh, Glasgow Rangers Nation says, we should start Bailey Rice. He, uh, would he do any worse than Lundstrom or Jack? RFC72 says, Rice, Lyle, McCausland, Loveless, and maybe a Shaka if we sign uh, Jan or uh, Diomande, they're all capable of getting a chance. Uh, and the Bluebells are blue, said, and I've brought this comment up because I'd really like to see him bring up, and I want to say this is Ibrooks, Thompson Ashaka, seen as we are sponsoring him this year. Um, and I, I'm so glad we are because he's been he's been outstanding this year. Um Reese, can you see like from you know having you've attended quite a few B team games this year? Is there anybody in with a, a genuine chance? I know we've seen Loveless um, in, in the past few weeks uh, saddened about his injury. McCausland as well. We've seen, and, and this is the most positive spin I can put on this, Leon King with Champions League experience. Um, and obviously, D- Divine had that. We running the team last year as well. Do any of these guys genuinely ha- have a chance? Um, and I'm going to highlight Thompson Ashaka especially. Do you know, my fear for the B team is... Their key players all seem to be shoehorned in positions that we are really stacked in at the minute. Like we've got a bottleneck of goalkeepers. We've got Jack Butland who is tremendous. You've got Robbie McCrory behind them who could quite easily play first team in our league. And Kieran Wright's really impressed me at B team games. I think he's kind of gone under the radar on that. But um, it would I'd be surprised not to see Leon King brought into the first team fold either in January or come the end of the season and I would expect Leon Balligan to be shifted on and possibly another centre half this is why I think a back three would suit us to see have four centre halves of Davies Goldson, Suter and King every one of them could play at our level in our league Europe, different ballpark I don't think many of the squad would do to be fair but Ross McCausland, if we start to play wingers, I remember saying at the start of the season, I think it was a game we were at, Kyle. I was yeah, saying, nine. like, if, I think if he was a few inches taller and a few inches wider, he would be in the first team easily. I think he's as good, if not further developed, than Bailey Rice. There is an age gap, I believe, so whether or not that's made up in time, in terms of quality, then who knows, but I think both of them could have a career in the game. I was surprised to see Cole McKinnon was involved with the first team more so than what I would have expected anyway. Um, Cole with a pretty bad injury at the start of the season, but seems to be kicking on from it. It's guys like Aaron Lyle, but again, plays centre mid in that 10 kind of role. And even then, we've had to send Alex Lowry out on loan because he's not been in game time there. I think this is where the the white page players is really going to help us mm-hmm. because all of a sudden you start to see well if we're not stuck to this rigid formation then maybe boys can get a chance out wide so you've got the likes of Ashaka, Lovelace I dare say he could even play wide their front three uh, McCausland as well especially on the right hand side but even Bailey Rice you look at the talent he's got the guy's 16, 17, but the competition he's up against in that position, you just think if he was a fullback, if he was a winger, he would be ideal, possibly even a striker. But it doesn't really seem to be where our talents lie at the minute. And I'll be honest with you, as much as I don't want to be harsh, I'm no certain Lovelace is definitely at the right level yet. You can't, you can't say that to me, man. You've just broken my heart live on air, man, seeing as I've been See, harking on about the guy getting some first-team action, and I thought he was brilliant when he when he played in, in a relatively poor team, to be honest with you. See, that's the thing. He's always championed like by fans as, like, get Lovelace in the team, get Lovelace. And he done well, to be fair to him, in the game that he played. Um, I only seen brief highlights of it because I was working, but he, he's definitely got the ability, but it's more the consistency, I think. I think he's probably not that far ahead of James Graham, who's also in my shout. Yep. I'd be surprised if he's not up there. Quite nippy, like rapid forward. Um, so there is plenty of boys who could get the chance, but 
this is when I'm seeing them playing against other teams of their of their level rather than playing against first teams necessarily. So it could be totally different when they go and train with the first team. It could be totally different when they play at Ibrooks for talking sake. But they've definitely got the ability, a few of them to kick on, especially the likes of King, McCrory, Wright, whoever who have all been involved with the first team before. Yeah, a hundred percent, and and I, I I agree with you largely there on what it's worth. Maybe not about the loveliest thing, but everything else. Uh, I I think say I think's fair comment. Um, look, there's some good comments coming in here. Paul McGarrigal says some of the youth players are too good for the B team, and and honestly, it's it's hard to disagree with that at times. Uh, I think Ross McCausland in in a, in a press conference spoke really really well about the that you were at Reese about the you know going out in the loan and, and the best v best program this year, and that that seems to really really be benefiting them. Um, and and I'm absolutely delighted with the amount of uh, Thompson Ashaka love here. Uh, RFC72 says Ashaka has that raw pace and directness that we, we lack so much. Um, and the Bluebells, our blue says Ashaka is a left winger sorely needed. Um, so yeah, I really do hope that, that Clement does bring some some youth into that. And and, and as we've been saying for, for years, for that sort of four, three nil up, there's 20 minutes to go. We should be throwing these guys on to, to get them as much experience as, as possible. But listen, JB, let, let's look ahead to, to the Hibs game uh, at the weekend. It's a three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday, as football should be, by the way. Um, let's just get into it. Can you see any major personnel changes? Uh, and, and what do you think the team will be um, lining up? And guys, listening and watching, let us know what you think the, the lineup will be for the Hibs game at the weekend, please, in the comments. Yeah, I think um, I think he hasn't got that many options. Let's have it right. Um, I think in terms of the start and eleven, I don't think you'll see it being a million miles away from what it has been. I think what we what we're I think we're all really keen to see is how quick, how quick and aggressive we are in terms of how how we're going to move the ball forward. Do you know what I mean? So in terms of are we gonna is everything going to be really slow and patient? Are we going to pass it? Are we going to see a little bit of the horseshoe? followed by easy balls and players in the midfield not being brave. Um, I know there's the, the there's the real keen approach to go to a 3-4, like a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, depending on how you want to look at it. My only concern with that is I wouldn't mind rolling that out when things are going well. If we try and roll that out now, Tavernier and Barisic will end up in the, they'll be, they'll be in the Copeland, they'll be that deep, do you know what I mean? Uh, whereas if you, if, if we're if we're on the front foot and we're doing well and we're a couple up, then de- let them two bomb on. I'd like to see us find a formation that kind of allows them two to get forward again and get up to the byline. How many times did we see Barisic cross up for Tavernier? Do you know yeah. what I mean? It, it felt as if um last couple of years it's almost been one or the other. Um I'm definitely an advocate of Yilmaz, uh, seeing a, b- a bit more of him. Hopefully we do see... um he can stay injury injury free, uh, which doesn't doesn't seem to be his, his forte at the moment. But I can't see it being as I said earlier, a million miles away. I think it'll be probably be a four three three, the usual characters. Um, be interesting to see how he sets up with his midfield three. I think that'll be the the interesting one. Uh, whether he looks to go with um, or, or he midfield across the board, really. Whether he goes with the four, if he goes with the three, will he will he go with a Raskin and Lundstrom, um, or will it be? I mean, if it's Raskin and Lundstrom, you've got to assume it's going to be four really aggressive players either side of them. Do you know what I mean? So we're going to you, you're almost looking to see Seaman on one side. Uh, does he go with McCausland again to keep that element of youth in there? I've already done okay when he come on the other week. And bear in mind, it was away from home in a place that. Well, I know we say this about every away ground, but it was a tricky place to go to given the circumstances that we were playing. And then you go too high, and I mean really high, so like a Dessas and Lammers through right through the top. Um Kamar Roof is if he's fit, um you try and get him, him being your being your, your talisman. Um I literally can't see a lot of options. Obviously, so I don't know if everyone's seen it, but Sofuentes had a knee brace on today. Um what had missed out on the well, it looks like he was missing out on the uh, the Ecuador game. Nearly forgot where he was from then. Um <laughs> And then obviously there's a couple of players coming back from injury. I know um, I know Campwell for those that haven't seen the interview um, spoke around the hoping to be back for the game, and he was the pictures of him in training. Um, depending on his injury, got to be very careful. Do you know what I mean? We can't afford for him to as much as we need him to be back. We need to be winning games, and um, Saturdays are non-negotiable. It has to be three points. 
But what we can't do is at the expense of Todd Cantwell being out for three, four months just because we've been a bit too eager to get him back in. Um, I'd definitely love to be easing him back in, um, even if we need to bring him off the bench for the last 20 minutes if it's not going the way that we hoped it would go. Um, but no, back to, your, back to your question, I can't see uh, anything being too too unfa- unfamiliar or too risque. Uh, but it might be, uh, do you know what I mean? It might just be a, might be a sterling in for Tav. It might be a... Um, might just be something a wee bit wild, but I don't think he's going to rock the boat too much based on uh, based on his interview. Uh, he said to the day in terms of obviously with Tavernier captaincy, um, obviously Suter's been away on international duty. I think the guys on international duty might be on the back foot a little bit uh, yeah. because if they're only arriving back, say tomorrow, um, today, well today, tomorrow, in some cases. Like the likes of Suter, for example, he's probably not going to get a sniff because he'd have been working an extra couple of days with Ben Davis. So, um, and Borna Barris had been away, so therefore, if Yilmaz is available, then um, then he's going to get the shout. But yeah, it'll be an interesting one at one forty-five. Refreshing Twitter to see what see what the team is. Yeah, that's it exactly, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get all the injury updates on uh, on Friday as well. But Reese, do you want to give us your sort of predicted lineup before we wrap things up in the podcast? So mine would be, and again, I'm not really too sure about who's who's back, who's fat, when they're back, whatever. But um, just generally, I would go. Well then, are we going three five two, or are we going what would we expect? Whatever you want, go for it. I was going to ask you for a four four two, so you need played it before, but that's uh, that. I don't know about that. (laughs) Have we even got two strikers at the minute? Uh, No, (laughs) I don't know, but we'll go with um, maybe Campbell on the front two. Actually, could what go Butland to have super goals and. Well, Davies has been decent. I'm not fast about either of those two. Depends on the opposition. One passes, one dribbles. Ridvan left back. If providing that he's back for injury and never played for Turkey as much as he was with them with internationals. So I think it will probably be Barisic. The two I would have in front, just because I seen a predicted 4-2-3-1 earlier on. Raskin and Lundstrom. I would go with that. I would have Cantwell at 10 if possible. Left wing, probably Sima, right Matondo and up front. I've just read in the comments how accurate it is or not that Danilo's not back. I think it will have to be Dessels up front. If Danilo was back, then I would play him up front and a few other people would get shifted about as well. But yeah, that's what I would expect for Saturday. By the way, I've got a spare ticket if anybody's looking for it going for your charge. <laughs> well, there you go. Your inbox is going to be inundated after after that. But uh, look for for what it's worth. I'll give you my lineup. I've got I've got Butland and goals, and I'm going to I've stuck Sterling at right back. I've, and that's not because I'm hating on Tav or anything like that. I'm putting Tav further forward because we don't have any wingers is all. Because uh, I saw your face there, JB. I thought I better clarify that <laughs> before I go on. Uh, Goldson and De- uh, Ben Davies is the centre-half. Barisic, because I, I, I'm unless I'm proven wrong on Friday, I, I'm not sure Yilmaz is, is quite fit yet, but if he is, I would have Yilmaz in there. I've got Tav in the right wing, Lundstrom, Raskin sitting in the middle, Seema out on the left, and I've either got, if Danilo's fit, he plays up front for me. Um, oh, if not him, it'll be Roof. Uh, and as you said, you stole my thunder a wee bit there, but I've just got Cantwell sitting just slightly, slightly behind Danilo or Roof, and and I'd be delighted with that lineup, whether or not we see it. Um, that's that's to be seen yet. But listen, I think that just about uh, ends the podcast nicely. Just want to say thank you to both of my guests tonight. So thanks very much, GB. Yeah, no, thanks very much. I know I mentioned it a few times. Um, I wasn't a massive fan of it. Todd Cantwell doing an interview this time of the season. It reminded yep. me a bit of John Lundstrom doing an interview with Paddy the Baddy um, not long before Gio got the bullet. But um, a real good insight into the character. Uh, I thought it was only the snippets that we've seen. Uh, you know, obviously Chris Sutton stuff got noise. Uh, but a real insight into the human that is Todd Cantwell, not necessarily the football player that's Todd Cantwell. Um, I think we all, I don't think any of us have been too pleased with some of his social media antics and stuff. But if you watch that, you start to see why he is the way that he is. Um, so, yeah, not that I'm a massive plugger of the podcast, but um, it's uh, <laughs> definitely worth a listen. Um, he does speak for a good half an hour, 40 minutes about Rangers. So, 
uh, there's plenty of interesting interesting bits in there. But yeah, all good and hopefully um, three points for the big Belgian on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That that could be Raskin or um or uh, Clemente. Or, but yeah, totally agree with you on on that Todd Cantwell point. I'm not a fan of players doing interviews mid-season as well. It was a good interview. I only listened to the Rangers uh, part of yeah. it. Um, and the, the takeaway thing from that for me was Beal was far too pally with the players. Um, yeah. I, I don't want uh, yeah, to end it there. Reese, uh, thank you very much for your contribution tonight. Thank you very much for all that B-team stuff. That was a really, really good insight. Oh, cheers. Thank you. Um, aye. Glad to be back on after a while. I was unavailable for a few months with the live pods, but back on a Wednesday, well, available for a Wednesday. That's that exactly. So listen, guys, the, the next pod will be myself and Craig Dennett. We'll be live from the gantry reporting on Philippe Clement's first game. We'll bring you live reaction, immediate reaction to that, immediate reaction to, to what he's got to say. Uh, personally, I'm really, really looking forward to it uh, and I'm hoping Craig gets a death stare in, in the pressers. But go give us, a, give us a like and subscribe and all the usual socials. Take care and uh, we'll see you all again soon. Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a hundred social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.